welcome to another episode of Barkbox. I'm your host, Jason. In this episode, I sit down with Sarah Kale. Sarah is a visual artist who likes to draw and paint the human figure. We talk about Sarah's childhood, how and why she started the Metro series, and as the We Come series. Plus, we talk about her philosophy and her advice to her past self. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Jump out of the gates here and ask you a very newsworthy question of how, what, where, when, and why you got started as an artist. That's a very convoluted question. I got started as an artist uh, just by default. Since I can remember, it was probably about first grade. Um, I started drawing more elaborate things. I remember one instance where, you know, I kept kind of surprising my family with all my little art projects. And then there was this one time where there was this horse, uh, I guess, you know, that you outline, you know, those outline shapes. And I just outlined a horse. And my mom got so excited because, you know, her first grade daughter drew a horse and I didn't have the heart to tell her that it was a stencil. A stencil. Yeah, that's what I meant. I didn't have a heart to tell her it was a stencil, but Nevertheless, it kind of piqued attention. There was something that grabbed my family and I'm like, oh, this is a thing that I have. And art was always my favorite subject in school, in elementary school. I started to get into cartooning. Bob Ross was big when I was a kid. All hail Bob Um, Ross. All hail Bob Ross. Happy trees. I have happy tree mints. You know, my happy tree, little bobblehead over there, um, Bob Ross, the art supplies would would kind of fold in. And there was even a, a time I remember back. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around. But there was a time I remember I was no more than four, three or four. I must have been four, almost five that my next door neighbor gave me oil paints an oil paint set. Right. Like a young child. And I decided to oil paint and I got oil paints, this, this, you know, um, the phyllo blue or whatever, oh, you know, the yeah. deep, yep. dark blue all over this like white comforter, bedroom comforter. I remember my mom screaming <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what I did, but I love this. So there was just, it just was a calling, I guess. It yeah. was just a, it was a calling. Um, so anyway, fast forward, um, you know, later in elementary school, my grandfather, decided to gift me painting lessons for Christmas. And there was a local artist that did painting lessons for kids. And I think 1994 was my first painting. And my mom like put in the county fair the next year and I got into the newspaper, like young artist and all this stuff. Yeah, it was really cool. It was like an acrylic piece. I can show it to you. I still have it. I was about to ask if you still have it. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's in the closet, but I, I will. <laughs> I do bust it out. <laughs> well, there's, you know, art storage. You gotta, you gotta keep the new pieces out. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so I'm kind of going chronologically, obviously. So, you know, elementary school, and and I designed T-shirts for my classmates and stuff. I did like Road Runners for like really into Looney Tunes and all that. So, um, and then just always kind of kept kept a sketchbook. And as I got through middle school, um, was always in art classes, still drawing, 
doing a lot of collage. You know, I had collaged a whole wallpaper. I, I lived in this. We moved around a lot. My parents got divorced and our my last house we lived in, it was a, a really old 120-year-old house and I was in the attic. And there was this chimney that I just wallpapered around. Mm-hmm. Like I collaged it and yeah. like it did collage wallpaper. So always had these like really creative outlets, you know, until about high school. And so high school continued my art career. I actually went the summer before high school. I... My grandfather had um, a wonderful friend who was an art teacher and an artist, and she taught me just little lessons like values and color, how to mix colors and, you know, more advanced things, you know, as I was going into high school. And she was just incredible. She changed my life, and I really got into the art scene in high school, and as high school progressed I got more into athletics and art dropped off for a while I think there was I know I know but it gets better it gets better (laughs) I I I have to go through the story because well I'll tell you later in in the interview so um (laughs) it gets better so yeah so long story short I I dropped off from art for a while I was, and we had a great art program. Um, it was like an art major program kind of fast tracked you into art schools. And I just really, um, you know, my mom was a single mom. I was raising my brother and sister. It, It wasn't really like I had that space or time to do art as much. And I really needed my social circles and that social support. Mm -hmm. And so athletics came into the forefront and I think as a teenager, I was like, I can't, I have to choose one or the other. I can't do both. Right. And so as I got to college, you know, I went all across scholarship. I, I was about to ask, what was it that yeah, you played in high school? I, I, yeah, I went all across, I played lacrosse and field hockey and track and I got a lacrosse scholarship and I took my, you know, I went back to take a drawing class. Cause I'm like, I'm going to flunk out of college. Like, I don't know what I'm want to do. I'm just came here to get out of my hometown and like, you know, not be a loser. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, and it, oh, it yeah. was just like, I can't, I'm poor and I need to be successful. Like it was very black and white for me. And Oh, by the way, I love, sports because i can take all my anger and aggression and pain i was gonna say lacrosse is kind of a very aggressive sport i was a goalie too oh my goodness so (laughs) i love getting beaten up i love it tortured artist right here um you got the scholarship you took a class you got the scholarship took class took a drawing class and my first drawing class my professor jane johnson she said you're going to be an artist you're going to major in art and i'm like I don't know. And still I was, I was so scared. I think, you know, part of me was also so scared to fail as an artist to, because I was so type A in a sense that I could not fail. I couldn't take that rejection. I was just so vulnerable. Right. And, and something just like sparked. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. Like I can be an art major. I'm going to be a double major, but I can be an art major. And she actually gave me a small scholarship, um, which was great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I double majored in art and history. And I think the why is like why I'm an artist. It's just a part of me. I love observing. 
I I'm so voyeuristic. I mean, we'll talk that about that in my work, obviously. Oh yeah, we'll 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 get to that um, in a second. I yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's more I can go into, but we can touch on it later. You know, but that's kind of what made me why, how. Yeah. Oh, you mean how, the, I kind uh, how of developed. what, when, where, and why? Yeah, when, where. I think I covered enough. No, there. you actually covered all of them. Okay, I that tried. That was actually pretty good. Well, yeah, it it, it is when when you are a, a creative, it is uh, uh, something inside you just you just do it. You just make when you don't make. I think when when you meaning like when I don't make, there's something that roars inside me. Yeah. That can get really distressed. Oh yeah. Um, it can get really painful. Oh yeah, for me, and I don't, I don't know if every artist experiences that, but I, I believe most artists do. But yeah, it, it it's, it's um, to some degree at least. To some degree, I, I, I would, I, I, it's almost like going through withdrawal because mm-hmm. it, it is something that it's, a, it's so ingrained. You got like doing it, and if you can't do it, you start going through withdrawal. Yeah. So it's. <laughs> I, I go through that too. I mean, uh, as a matter of fact, this morning I I, I drew before uh, I did anything. So that's great. I, I I still try to draw every day. Oh, that's wonderful. And um, yeah, and, and I try to make something every day, which is I guess technically we are. But let's pivot from why and how and when and where you got into this hot mess. So, what is your philosophy and aesthetics of art in general, and your art? And uh, I'll stick in there. Why? My philosophy of art, I, you know, I actually wrote this paper because as I was younger about what is art, right? Right. What is art? What makes art art? And I think art is something that invokes emotion and a conversation. You know, if there's a blankness to when you're looking right i wouldn't say that's necessarily art you know like a well i don't know actually when i'm saying it like that i mean because that is an emotion too so i uh, yeah not to make you go down to the rabbit hole i know philosophical thing thoughts here but yeah i guess on the surface right anything that invokes an emotion or conversation Right. Early on, um, when I was younger, I was very much into realism and capturing and the study. And I think I got wrapped around myself in trying to be perfect in that perfectionism and trying to be a copy machine. Mm. Right. And and I also self-doubted because in being a copy machine, I didn't think I was a creative. I'm like, well, I just have this talent that I can see something and put it on a piece of paper. What does that have to do with anything, right? It, right. it was very confusing. While there was a lot of artistic programs and there weren't a lot, but there were some mentors, there was still this internal judgment. I mean, I remember even teachers in college, I'm like, what is that supposed to do for me? You know, and kind of almost poo-pooing their art. <laughs> it was like I was very ignorant, but also I just wasn't educated in in the realm of art that I'm am now. I'm still there's so much to learn. There's so much art out there. There's so oh, yeah. much to be exposed to. Oh, yeah. But every time I look at a piece, I think now when 
I'm exposed to any art or anything, really, I really try and look at it. I really try and see it and see the whatever, if it's living, breathing, see its soul, if it's an object, kind of analogize what it would be like if it had a soul. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's actually an interesting kind of take on that. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, usually when I look at a work for the first time, uh, I'll look at uh, if it's a painting, mm-hmm. uh, I'll get as close as I can without getting in trouble and, and look at brushstrokes. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm interested in uh, people, you know, seeing a human touch it, you know, because oh, yes. going back to what you said about a copying machine, you know, there, there are movements of art that people wanted to be uh, a copying machine. Mm-hmm. And that's all good and great. But there is something, especially in, in today's world where... Everything is is can be copied or printed to be exactly the way you I want. Know. So I feel that it's more important that you try to have something done by hand mm-hmm. more than anything else before. Mm-hmm. That's also shot over the bow over uh, AI. So yeah, I, I don't want to get into that discussion. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there, it's scary and it's also really disheartening, right? Yeah, do, do, I love design. I love modernism. I don't like this futuristic dystopia slash utopia that is kind of creeping up amongst yeah it, the it, community it's, yeah you know maybe it's just a, a fad maybe it's not who knows yeah. but but with that being said though i don't want to make this a sad show oh yeah sorry <laughs> yeah, no that's fine um the tortured artist coming out again yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that was actually, I, I liked your, your, that was a pretty good question there. The, and you answered it. Some people actually get tripped up on that one. Mm. And uh, you you just took it straight to the to the mat. All right. So uh, this is a trick question. Oof. Yeah. Uh, what mediums do you like to work in? And also another why? Oh, gosh. I love this question. <laughs> well, I, I mentioned that I'm a masochist, right? So <laughs> I like challenges. So the first medium that I ever really loved was graphite to draw. And, you know, I, I ebbed and flowed with my art career. And when I really dove back into art into my 30s, and so I decided I'm going to draw with ink. And I love drawing with ink because it makes me deliberate. It makes me have to see something and put it on paper and I can't erase it mm-hmm. and it's there and it's yeah. permanent and whether I like it or not, it's going to be a part of the piece, right? I either have to move with it or I have to start all over again. So that's one medium. I work in many mediums. I'm going to focus on my two mediums that I'm working in now. So ink and watercolor. Watercolor I discovered after I was, I don't want to call myself a failed oil painter. You're not. I'm not. I mean, I have, I have successful oil paintings. I can paint in oil. The process for me is long and a labor of love. And I just, as you can see in my studio, it's, it's rug. I don't have much ventilation and I'm, I'm a very hands-on messy painter. I like to move. I like to feel my medium. And so as I was trying to discover how to paint without oil, which I love, but I I have a love-hate relationship with it. I paint very dark in oil too. I wanted something to brighten me up because at the time when I started, I was not in a good mental health space and I really needed to just 
feel those bright colors and I didn't want to feel those dark dreary oil painting colors that like I was trying to paint into and so watercolor again it's a hard medium and there's this painting book by Robert Henry which I love and the last page says do not paint in watercolor it's just unforgiving and it's really hard I'm paraphrasing here but something along those lines like just don't do it just like I'm doing it I'm like well damn it I'm doing it And right after I read that book, I did this beautiful small watercolor painting of my wife and I just like fell in love with it. I just, I love how the water moves with, especially with portraiture. It just moves with the body and it's sensual and it's challenging. And And deliberate too. You have to be deliberate deliberate and it's. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of rebellious in my art mediums because like everybody oil paints. Well, now everybody does acrylic too now, right? Everybody does acrylic or oil paint for, for painting at least. And again, with drawing, you're either, if you're drawing in pen, you're likely a cartoonist, right? And I'm doing more of a, they coined it like graphic realism, if you will, right? Right. It is fine art. It's not cartoons, right? And a lot of people say, oh, cartoons. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not cartoons. Right. It, it, cartouche. Cartouche, I would say yes. Yes, but not but cartoons. Not cartoons. You're not trying to be an illustrator, basically. No, and I do love illustration, and I was... Oh, right, yeah. No, I, have no, I love them too. Yeah, yeah. and because, you know, because I like to draw, I always thought about illustrating as a, as a career path, but I like making my own stuff right now, you know? I think it's important. When I was in college, they made us learn to use watercolors and acrylics and latex, stuff like that, and mm-hmm. oils. But mm-hmm. uh, like the first one-on-one classes were you had to learn to use watercolor. See, I never learned watercolor. Like, yeah. I can't even remember Some actually. Some schools are weird like that. Yeah, I, I think when I had that, like I said, that summer in Florida with my grandfather and his friend who was an artist, she bought me a watercolor set. And I still have it. I mean, it was from, oh, nice. it was 20 years ago. I mean, it's like a little watercolor set. It's a yeah. Van Gogh set. Oh, you got the Van Gogh one. Yeah, yeah. the little, you know, travel Van Gogh yeah, set. Those, she I bought me like some those. supplies and yeah. it was, it was great. I still, yeah, it's kind of my little momentum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still, I still use mine a lot. Actually, I'm going to have to get some new bricks eventually. Uh, what subjects do you like to explore in your art? Um, well, as if you if you follow me on Instagram or are on my website, yeah. What's your Instagram handle? By oh, way? my Instagram handle is Disco Thumbs. Yeah, I. How do you like love that? that. <laughs> Disco. Thumbs. I, I kind of wanted to introduce you as Disco Thumbs. Oh, you. Today I totally sit down with Disco it. Thumbs. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, it's. I love it as well. I, my friend gave me that nickname a while back, and it just stuck, and I'm so glad it stuck. Um, there could be worse nicknames, right? There could be worse nicknames. Yeah. Yes, I have, we can't say for radio. I have disco esh <laughs> thumbs, hence the the um the name. But anyway, so oh, I thought it was like this. Oh like, yeah, I mean yeah, I I do disco, disco thumbs moves. like that. Too. Yeah. I have disco thumb moves as well. <laughs> um, yes, I am a fan of dancing. But anyway, so my subject matter is mainly portraiture people. I love the human form. I have always since I can remember. Loved drawing people, faces, 
you know, reports, wasn't really an amazing student, but I was amazing at my report covers because I would draw Louis Armstrong or like, you know, Shakespeare, whomever. So it just, I've always been attracted to the figure. I love capturing the human spirit and I love capturing the movement of my subjects. You know, you're, you're seeing something still, but I try and really create that moment yeah. and that feeling that you're with that person. Right. So, which I want to segue into your Metro's uh, sketches series. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to ask this question first. Have any of the people that you have drawn, have, have they seen you draw them? Yes. So early on, I had a few people catch me here and there because I was just really clunky with my drawing and, you know, you're on a train and we'll kind of get to the, how I actually make on the train, but it's really interesting being not only in a public space drawing in such close quarters, but trying to really be incognito and look appropriately, right? right? Really look at your subject appropriately. And so, yeah, probably my my first year of of doing this series, which is back in like late 2016, early 2017, you know, there are these two guys, it was a, an early morning Metro ride and there was two guys talking and I, and I wasn't able to kind of uh, sketch as fast as I did now. And I was drawing both of them and I only got one drawn and got the other one halfway drawn. They're like, hey, were you drawing us? Can we see? And I I was so embarrassed. I'm like, uh, yeah, because, you know, I wasn't confident then. And I wasn't like, here, here you go, you know. But yes, they caught me. I was, you know, totally tail between my legs. And then, you know, at that point, it was fine. And then I have some people that I've actually made connections with that have seen me drawing on the Metro and they said, oh, I saw you drawing this person with the bike the other day. I love your work. And like, then I'll have a connection with them. And in wow, turn, that's pretty cool. yeah, there was like a, a moment where I actually ran into this person again. I was able to draw her and I gave her her Metro sketch. So sometimes when I'm making connections or I have that just feeling like this person needs this drawing, I'll actually give them away. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. But yeah, there are great so I mean, there stories and moments. Me, so there hasn't been anybody that's chased you down. It's like, hey, hey you, why are you drawing me like that? No, I usually try and I'm, I'm very connected to my subjects. Like I can feel, you know, there's like an empathetic sense that you gain when you're drawing somebody Right. So when I'm drawing them, if somebody's like looking at me deliberately, they like, or they're, yeah, they kind of give you the look like, I know you're drawing me and I yeah. don't like it. And so I'll just, I'll just look at you very creepy. Yeah. So I usually just stop like cease and desist. Right. <laughs> like I'm in their, their personal bubble. But that's very rare. I mean, maybe count one or two people. Well, that's still pretty good. Yeah. Other people have come up, are you drawing me? And then I show them and, you know, you know, do you want it? And he's like, no, 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 I'll go, I'll go and buy it if I'm, if I want to, you know, but it was really sweet. You know, some guys That's actually awesome. are like, respect me as an artist and like, I'll give you money for your art, which is, I think really rare these days, right? Even hmm. I'm posting Metro sketches on Instagram, right? Yeah. I love doing that. It's kind of my, it's my daily accountability. It's like my practice, but there's also this questionability of friends or family or, or even just kind of people that are following me like do you sell these and it's it's like of course i sell these yeah right i'm but i don't know if like the general public really 
knows that they could purchase that they them. could purchase things does that make sense i, I no, mean it does i understand yeah, what you're saying sometimes yeah. it so i've come across that a few times but hmm. anyway didn't mean to tangent oh no that. that's fine i don't have to ask you this one because you're obviously you're still working on them mm-hmm. this is actually a very interesting question what started you to draw people on the metro so my 30th birthday came around and i was on about a 10-year hiatus from art i was relocating to maryland um i was i had bought a house i was um renting it out at that time i had met my wife i had just got married a lot of different life changes between like 25 and 30 right and i was coaching lacrosse and i finally gave up coaching lacrosse i had this epiphany like what am i doing like why am i not making art like why yeah i i want to be an artist and i didn't even know where to begin and there were questions you know i had this like existential crisis so i kind of solicited people and so i was doing crossfit at this local crossfit gym and one of my acquaintances there was an artist and i said i don't know if you know her nicole portia no um, i don't she's an amazing artist in the dmv she does a lot of murals portraiture gorgeous like commissions but anyway so she just introduced me to some podcasts and she was like start doing daily sketches and my wife was like you know draw people on the metro it was kind of a means to an end. I was on the Metro for, you know, 35 minutes each way. I was going down from Silver Spring to the Pentagon at the time. And I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to do this. Right. Because I was there. That was my space. That was my time. I'm like, I wish I had a new job. I wish I could do this so I could have studio time and Everybody pretty much said, you know, Sarah, life's not that easy. Just no. work around it. Yeah. And I took people's advice, you know, where Nicole was like, draw every day, read these books, listen to these things. But you just have to make, right? Her, right. her advice was like, you just have to make. And making to me was so scary and so hard and so anxiety inducing. I'm like, oh, my God. So it was late 2016 when I just had started and again this was a few years after right but when i had started really diving into it and it it started becoming my meditation space Mm. it was meditative it was thought-provoking it kind of gave me a little art high before i went into work and after i went into work it just reinvigorated me it just never gets old i mean you know there are times when i can take a little break i mean i don't do it as much as i used to i used to do it every day almost every day i mean i try to put pen to paper every day do i get a successful drawing every day Eh. well some days you do some days you don't yeah but that's the whole point of drawing every day that is the whole point of drawing every day so um yeah i've now been yeah almost three years now and counting yeah and so that's kind of my daily postage via instagram right i like to engage with my audience i like to give them a little piece of me every day that's something that's really exciting to me yeah no um i thank you for doing that yeah sure. no i mean and and i love capturing the dmv commuter because a lot of people don't take the metro right a lot of people drive oddly it's enough like, it's not a really big thing metro is kind of the dirty word around here and i i like <laughs> showing people that you know it's not a scary place i have to make a confession yeah i i drove here today i knew it <laughs> please forgive me you're missing all these opportunities i know i i do use metro to creep on people <laughs> <laughs> like i do so <laughs> anyway. so then yeah when while you're drawing them uh, how 
how is it like to draw on a bumpy and kind of jerky train? I mean, oh gosh, now my lines are so crisp. I mean, for for a, right. know, a commuter, if you look in my kind of my backlog, if you will, like if you look lower in my series, I mean, even as we're sitting here, these are kind of she my has, more recent here, yeah. versus like this is about a year ago, right? And you can kind of see the the changes and the evolution of the lines. So you basically just to learn to adjust with the bumps and the jerkiness. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I never thought I would be as crisp as I am. And sometimes I get more flowy, right? But yeah, when I first started out, it was really hard. If I bumped, I would I would lift my pencil and be like, you know, take it was yeah, kind that's of, what my first thought would be. It's like, oh, I didn't want to make that line. Yeah, and there's people bumping into you. You know, yeah. there's somebody like there's a man spreader next to you, and he's like <laughs> bumping into your. No offense to my male friends or family or anybody, but like spreading out or like you're in a crowded space and standing, and you know there are all these different things to adapt to. But that's what I love about it. So the follow-up question is that you don't try to sit. You just no, try to draw where and when you it's can. It's extreme drawing. That is I mean, extreme. I do get seats most of the time in the morning. I would say 99% of the time I'm sitting. In the afternoons, more likely standing. It's the rush hour. Um, if I'm not standing, I usually kind of get a seat where I have a good view of a number of people, right? right? So I get a good range of like six to nine people and then kind of adapt and engage with one or two or whoever. But it's, again, it's crowded. People are right on top of you, right? So you're having to look and kind of move and see. Yeah. And it's really, it's really fun and challenging. Yeah. I was going to say, and more I'm thinking about, that is more of a challenge. These are not small they're not like three inches by five inches these things are like um, six, like six by, six by eight by six mm -hmm. by eight six so. by eight notebook i use a pentelec notebook um or sketchbook micron you know pen so everything's archival yeah which is and i love that i like the six by eight it's a nice little mix and i like it too because you know, part of the metro is like you're in a confined space, right? Right. You don't want to be too small where three or four inch, right? You want to be a little bit bigger. And it also kind of goes with the aesthetic of like being in a home or a space where like you almost kind of have these like little spaces, right? And that's even how I curate them is so I have like some that are individuals, right? If you have a little apartment or you have this you know, space that you just want to kind of capture one moment, you have that. But you also have bigger pieces like, you know, this 49 piece or a 30 piece or a 12 piece where you kind of get a nice little variety, but it's not, it's not too much, right? If you want to go big or go home, you can get a big one, right? And it kind of gives you a big breadth of the the metro scene but then you also can kind of stay well, intimate and, and zoom in and in the little moments that you've drawn like this guy i'm looking at uh older gentleman look like he's writing some notes on some paper you know he's probably writing his grocery list or you know what newspapers to write hate mail to <laughs> yeah I mean, we don't i don't know the story right yeah and, and you got some people that, you know, they look like they're sleeping, mm -hmm. which is not surprising because when I do use Metro, mm -hmm. I, it, um, I just didn't use it today. Yeah. I, I do find people sleeping a lot on Metro. And yeah. it also makes me often wonder, it's like, why would you really want to sleep? Uh, yeah. I also wanted to talk about uh, your kind of more recent series that you started, and it's called As We Came series. What and how got you started on this series and another why at the end of that? 
Oh, so many whys. Okay, so I, I just want to know why. What got me started um, on the series was obviously I love drawing and painting the figure. Um, I started painting watercolor portraits of my wife, some nude, some clothed, but they were more for an intimate setting for us, right? I would love to show them, but my wife's an attorney and a business owner and you know, I don't necessarily want to exploit her. Um, and you know, some pieces are just meant for, for us and for me. And, but I loved the feeling and I loved that space of painting my wife, my love in these really intimate moments. And it sparked this idea of capturing that in the LGBT community, because I'm a female, I'm a lesbian, And seeing the female gaze is still a a marginalized space, right? It's it's getting bigger. But the female gaze as a queer female, you get a little bit more marginalized. And then queer female looking at other queer females is even more niche, right? So it's (laughs) I'm kind of going down the rabbit hole here. That is a rabbit hole, yeah. But to that end, it's not really seen or spoken for. And... I wanted to depict that in a variety of ways through a variety of subjects. And I really wanted to capture the females or women or, or non-binary people that are in the community. You as a viewer or the viewer seeing this series could really see the depth, the variety of that our community has and feels, but also keeping the same line of feeling that gaze from that subject, right? All my subjects have their eyes locked on the viewer. And the purpose of that is so you can really feel what their lover feels like when they're they're looking at them, right? And really having an insight into those moments. Because I think even as a lesbian, there's not a lot of space for people to understand the level of intimacy between two women. It's either you hear lesbian and you kind of go to this like really erotic, almost pornographic state, right? And I'm trying to tail on the sense of more of the intimate erotic moments. There's still erotic moments, but they're more intimate Right. Than just like this detached two females making love, right? And, or versus having sex, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I think there that's, is a difference. Yeah. It doesn't matter what yeah. your sexuality is, there is a difference between yes. making love and having sex. Yes. And so, even with, right, there's a lot of males that portray this. these moments, these intimate moments with women, right? But not a lot of females do it. And not a lot of females or or artists in in general really portray them in the way I think that I'm portraying them is where they're not only putting their bodies out there in a provocative and a a very um, vulnerable state, but they're also looking at you, right? They're not looking away. They're not ashamed. And I think with erotic portraiture, you don't necessarily always get that one-on-one eye contact that I'm trying to really get my my subjects. Yeah, there is a difference, right? And that's kind of an aesthetics thing where for that kind of stuff, there's a whole different reason of purpose. Correct. And uh, the first one I saw your work, it, I noticed that all the your subjects do stare or look at the viewer. And uh, then I saw your Instagram feed where you actually was painting someone mm-hmm. and they were staring at you the whole time. Yeah, that and one right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah this, mm-hmm. I'm seeing it right now. And my first thought was like, that must be a little intimidating for you 
because they're just staring at you the whole time. I mean, because in normal conversation, like what you and I are having right now, it's like you kind of drift off a little, you look around and, you you know, you look at each other and you kind of do, but they're staring at you the entire time. Mm -hmm. How how does that make you feel when you're working on them? It's like you're looking at them, you know, because you're drawing and then they're just staring at you. You feel that stare. Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it's so purposeful. I think it's so needed. If it was outside of this project... I would be totally anxious and I would be really intimidated. Yeah, that eye contact, this day and age, is not even known anymore, right? That long eye contact. I mean, just being throughout the city in D.C., I give people more than three seconds of eye contact. They're thinking I'm hitting on them, right? Well, yeah, or they're going to, they want something, you want something from them. Or you want something from them or insert X, right? There's always this, well, what do they want? And sometimes it's like, maybe they just want to connect with you. Maybe they just want that moment of human to human connection and knowing that your soul and my soul are just having a conversation without saying words. I think even now with this project, I'm looking at people more. Yeah. Right in the eye because it's not as intimidating anymore, I guess. Circling back to actually like having my subject staring at me. I mean, I'm deliberately asking them to stare at me, right? Like there's, <laughs> That's what, yeah. there is a, I'm in control of this space and I really need you to capture this moment. And thank you so much for being so vulnerable because this is really hard for both of us, right? Like right. there's, I just have, I have amazing subjects. That's all I can say about that. <laughs> I hope that answered the question. No, that did. Yeah. This is kind of follow up with what you just said. It's almost like you're going to expand on it. So how do you choose your muses backslash subjects for the series? Great question. So my first uh, subject was a friend. And um, she was recently having this coming out. She was recently divorced and was came out as bisexual and was having great experiences with women and really exploring who she was and what made her feel good and what she wanted. And I was immediately drawn to asking her and she was actually an actor. And so I was like, you know, I think she may bite on this, right? And that was the model who came to Superfine to do the live painting. She actually is the only one of my models that I've done a series of three with. Oh, wow. I was initially going to do three of each model, but for timing purposes, I'm going to do one of each subject and then probably come back and do some more um, pieces. But as far as picking them, right, it's trying to well, one, understand if they're part of the LGBTQ community. I say queer community as a catch-all. It's kind of more of the defined definition. Even with queer, they say queer art now. They meaning the art gods, right? When I finally do get a model to commit, right? Well, we obviously sign a release form too because oh, right, that's right. a big deal, um, obviously. You know, they're putting themselves out there. This is art, Right. So we have an in-depth interview and the interview entails understanding how they identify, coming out story, what it's like being in the community or out of the community. Right. Mm-hmm. Because some everybody's in different spaces in their lives. Some people yeah. are married. Some people are, you know, lesbians. Some people are single. Some people are bisexual. There's just all different walks of life. 
in the community. And that's what I want to capture and understand. I would love to eventually get these interviews coupled with the paintings in some way, shape, or form. So anybody out there who wants to... uh, participate in the series yeah you just let me know but to that end right so i conduct the interviews to really open up the space for the models to be themselves there's actually this famous artist platon i think it is i'm sorry if i'm butchering his name he's a photographer he's done like colin powell and all those oh but he does this similar to what i do which i didn't even realize like that's a thing right like i'm just doing what i'm doing but you're really talking to them you know the words are out and now it's like they've shed all these words and all these conversations of intimacy that they can just take their clothes off and model and be in that space and be comfortable with you and trust you it is a very very intimate relationship that I'm having with my subjects, right? It's so artistic. It's very spiritual, but it's also extremely vulnerable for both me and the subject. I was right? about to ask for on your end of things, do you feel vulnerable? And you just said you do. So they're entrusting me with their words. They're yeah. entrusting me with their bodies, yeah. right? I am so grateful for them. They are hopefully going to be a part of art history, right? Well, it's already out there, so it is art history, right? <laughs> yeah. But technically you're but, right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, but I hope that this goes somewhere because I think this is a really important narrative to to tell, you know, more than the LGBTQ community, the general mainstream. They they need to gay is okay from a political standpoint, but that's the only word that's ever even used or accepted, right? Right. Let's just kind of think about that. When you say the word lesbian, it has a different context than when you say the word gay. When you say the word bisexual, when you say the word trans, right? There's just triggers. There are triggers. There are triggers. And when you are actually looking at these women in such a vulnerable space and they're not heterosexual women, it's a different thought and feeling right it's well, it, yeah. it just is yeah. and that's okay i mean i i think that's the point it's needed it's i think it's wanted and it's it's really interesting you know debuting it at at superfine it was really interesting seeing the reactions of the audience right yeah, yeah. I, I I thought it was provocative. Mm-hmm. And I felt that um I'm gonna repeat what you just said basically. It's like I felt that this was something that is needs to be um shared or um exposed for people. Mm-hmm. And um that's one of the reasons why I came, you know, to have an interview with you was to talk about that. I appreciate it. Because it is a, a conversation, because at the end of the day, we're all human, you know, we all are different. And the fact of the matter is that you're bringing to light a different angle that most heterosexual people take, I, I uh, maybe for granted would be a great way yeah. of saying it, or it's just around, they don't think about it. Yeah. And so for, for you to do this series, uh, as we came, it, it also, because of the name of the series, really what struck me as well is that it's like, you know, it's, I couldn't tell or interpret it if you meant like it was like broken goods or if it's just like, well, this is the way we are, you know, we were made this way. It's all of the above. And it's all, and it's all the above. That's what I felt that uh, it, it's important that what you're doing. And, and it's awesome that you, you interview them because I didn't realize you were doing that. How long have you been working on this series, by the way? So I started my first interview and because fo- I do an interview, a photo shoot, and then I paint February of 2019. 
is when I started. Oh, so you started this year? Yes. I've been pretty much trying to do, you know, about a painting a month, you know, taking a month or two off in between February and now. And now. So well, like, you're cranking sept- them out. yeah, I'm trying to, I'm really trying to, again, they're big, bigger pieces, right? They're 22 by 30 pieces and online you can't really see or feel the the magnitude of the piece when it's up on a wall and it's framed i mean and the frame gives it even more girth girth yeah i it's got you know some beautiful brown more it's almost like a masculine frame kind of enclosing this feminine mystique if you will right like i don't know i like the dichotomy of like the brown heavy frame with like a light female figure so um but yeah so since february 2019 I've been doing it. So uh, this is one of my favorite questions, and I will say this before I ask it. It is not a trick question. Okay. This isn't a gotcha question. All right. I also like this question because I I also learn a lot from others when I ask it. So what advice would you give your past self or to other artists? Play the long game. Play the long game. Play the long game. Art is about making first and foremost. Right. I think at least for my younger self or just even my old self, it was and I'm not even that old. Right. I'm only 30 (laughs) in my mid 30s. But like my younger self wanted to be famous and wanted to be in a gallery and wanted to be Amy Sherald. Right. And I think one day I will probably paint a president. I I do. I just have this feeling I'm going to paint a president. And I know that may sound bizarro, but I like literally said that to my wife. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to be like de Kooning and paint a president. Like, it's just going to happen. Hopefully another one. Um, uh, but <laughs> anyway, uh, hopefully, yes. Hopefully, yeah. Knock on wood again. Someone as wonderful as Obama, praise be, but, uh, you know, <laughs> can't all be so lucky. Anyway, um, I think playing the long game is about making and about putting in the time and the space to be with yourself and to be with your art and to be with your subjects or whatever medium you're using and just like be in the studio. Don't worry about a gallery. You know, right now for me, like, would I love to have a gallery lined up? Yeah. But would I also love to have 20 pieces of women like ready to go in a gallery? Yeah. I would much rather have that than to have a gallery be knocking on my door right now. I I want to have something substantial because you know, similar to kind of my Metro sketches, I have hundreds, hundreds. And, you know, I could fill rooms. I could fill, I could fill, I could fill tons of galleries. Right. But this is just some of them, right. These are just some of them. I have so many, I mean, I have 50 others framed from last year, but to that end, there's something about having a volume of work and having that volume of work is really important as an artist. Having that inventory is really important as an artist. I mean, it really makes you look and see and say, wow, I, I made this and just make one. I, I mean, I used to be so proud, like making and finishing one painting. And now I'm like, crap, I like made like seven paintings since February, like seven big paintings. Like that's really, that's all I need right now. You yeah, know? no, you're cranking them out. I Thanks. I, I think that's awesome. It. Thanks. One kind of final food for thought. You know, I'm still new to the DMV art scene. It seems like there are really cool artist-driven scenes happening, but I'm kind of disappointed with the galleries. 
And that's just for me. And I, and I haven't, maybe I haven't been to as many as I should because I'm making, but I'm not even like that intrigued to go in. I mean, I'm really happy that I got the opportunity to show it super fine because I think there was a very great variety and depth of art there. But yeah, I, I want to kind of challenge galleries to really get people to come out and see art because I think art needs to be seen in person. It doesn't need to be seen behind Instagram. I love Instagram. Don't get me wrong. I love sharing. I love seeing other people's work that I can't see in LA and New York and UK and in Asia, right? Like there's so many amazing things about the internet and the art community that I can have, be, have at my fingertips, but there's nothing better than like actually going to it. in a space seeing art. I don't know. I'd like to see that more. Those are kind of my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well that, thank you very much for doing this and, and sharing. I appreciate that. Just mm. in the art world. It seemed like when I showed that work, my, my, as we came series, there was a lot of shock and awe. Oh, wow. Amongst the, the viewers. I mean, some really like well-received, but others kind of disgusted or wouldn't talk to me or, you know, really interesting. But I love, you know, I love that, right? That's what art's supposed to do. Well, art's supposed to do that, right? But I don't know how much it goes back to what doing you... right now, right? And right. Then, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. to say thank you to Sarah for taking her time for the interview. If you want to learn more information about Sarah, you can go to her website at sarahkale.com. And she's on Instagram at discothumbs. You can go to our website at artboxdnv.com to hear past episodes. Our Instagram is artboxdnv and our Twitter handle is at artdnv. Until next time, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.